Hi friends and welcome to Robcast 38. This one is called The Forgiving Flow, Part 1. And Part 1 is called What It Is. And so here's how it's going to work. Every day this week there's going to be a new Robcast. So Robcast episodes 38, 39, 40, 41, and 42 will be uh, five days in a row. And I've called it The Forgiving Flow because I want to invite you to forgive whoever it is that you need to forgive. Have you been wronged, abused, betrayed, abandoned? Um, Have you suffered some injustice? Has someone said something that's rattling around in your head and heart and you've never forgiven them for it? I want to invite you to forgive them. So the first part, part one, is called What It Is, and then... uh, Part two will be called Dropping the Jawbone, and then we'll go from there. So this week, I want to invite you to enter deep into the heart of the forgiving flow. And if you're right now thinking, there's no way I'm forgiving, and then you have some person and something that happened between you and some, if you're thinking, no way, that would be impossible, I'm so glad you said that because what I want to do each day in these five parts is give you a different way to think about the the forgiving flow, how to extend forgiveness to others. And so if one doesn't work, there's always the chance that tomorrow uh, or the next part or the part after that will give you a way into this. So before we jump into part one, a couple things really quickly. I am so fired up to uh, um, tell you that I'm going to be doing a series of events here in Los Angeles in January, a number of you when I was out on tour said um, that you hadn't been able to come to one of the two-day events yet. So uh, I want you to know that I'm uh, releasing today signups for three different Finding Your Groove two-day events. And the grooves, uh, the grooves, the events um, are the third, fourth, and fifth weeks of January. Um, One of them is called Finding Your Groove as an Artist and Communicator, and it's going to be all about the creative process and how you take sort of uh, gut instincts and insights and ideas and stories and turn them into actual uh, things that you can communicate to others. So whether you give talks or messages or you write scripts or songs or maybe you're in business and you give talks to your employees or you're a mom and you have a blog, finding your groove as an artist and communicator. Then another of the events, two-day events, will be called um, finding your groove as a spiritual leader. So maybe you're a volunteer, you're a pastor, you're a priest, you run some sort of uh, ministry, maybe you uh, work with students or you're a minister of some sort. It's all about the challenges and unique challenges of being a spiritual leader. And then one of them is called finding your groove in business. And this is for all of you who don't work in overtly spiritual religious environments and you are people of faith or you're sort of asking all sorts of questions about calling and passion and ambition and how you think about all these things as a person of faith or as somebody, and perhaps you don't see yourself in any sort of spiritual tradition and yet you have this growing awareness that there's this thing called spirit uh, and that there are these larger spiritual questions all of humanity has and how do you think about those and relate as it relates to business and work and healthcare and law and education and all that. So the Finding Your Groove event series 
and uh, it'll be at the Viper Room here in uh, West Hollywood. And uh, all the information on that is at robbell.com. Would love to see you there. Also, if you're here in the Southern California area or you just want to fly in October 10th, I'm doing a one-man show at Largo, which is a club here in L.A. Tickets are at Largo, uh, L.A. And uh, just a legendary club. And the fact that they're giving me a night to do my own show is just um, so exciting. So I'll be doing a bunch of content I have never done before. I have some new ideas, some new places I want to take things. And I would love to see you there. And then uh, we're starting a YouTube channel, questions at robbell.com. If you have questions you'd like me to respond to, and some of you already have already sent in some fantastic questions, so keep them coming, and um, the YouTube channel should be releasing shortly. So there's a few things going on, but now, today, I want to start five days, five parts on forgiveness. It's called The Forgiving Flow. Today will be part one. Tomorrow there'll be another podcast. There'll be another one the following day, and then the following day, and then Friday will be the last one. And uh, if you have questions about forgiving, I'll uh, incorporate, see what kind of questions you have and incorporate those into the podcast as we go this week. So those questions as well, questions at robbell.com. And uh, so today, to start off with, in this part, the forgiving flow part one, I've called it what it is, because it's really important when you talk about forgiveness to talk about what it is and what it isn't. So, to forgive someone, first off, what it isn't. Forgiving someone is not condoning what they did. It's not saying that what they did, how they hurt you, the wrong they committed is somehow okay. If it was awful or brutal or abusive, part of forgiving is actually freeing you to call it what it is. Because sometimes when you talk about forgiving somebody and you know what, you really need to forgive them, they'll say, well, it's, that, that might make them think that it was okay what they did. No, 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 no. Forgiveness is not condoning what they is. In fact, what, what they did. In fact, sometimes the art of forgiving actually digs up just how serious the wrong was And it actually frees you to call it what it is. So when we talk about forgiveness, we're not talking about condoning or approving of what the person did. Number two, forgiving is not waiting for them to admit what they did or confess what they did or apologize for what they did. Because here's the thing, that day may never come. Are we clear on that? If you are waiting to forgive somebody for the day when they admit to it or confess it or apologize or say they're sorry, that day may never come. And so you're holding on to it and it's making you miserable and it's weighing you down and it's eating a hole in your heart and you're waiting for a day that may never come. So for all of you who are holding on to anger, bitterness, justice, revenge, whatever it is, and you're waiting for that day, you're holding on to something that you may carry to your grave. So it's really important to understand that forgiveness is something that is something other than, it's different than them admitting or confessing or apologizing. Number three, forgiving someone is not eliminating the consequences or preventing justice. 
you may need to forgive someone and call the police. You may forgive them and they may go to jail. There may be legal, relational, financial. There may be all sorts of consequences they have to face. You forgiving them is not you standing in the way of them receiving and having to live with the consequences of whatever it is that they did. Sometimes people uh, think, well, then if I forgive them, I probably shouldn't call this in, or I probably shouldn't set up proper about, no, no, no. Forgiveness is something different from preventing or eliminating consequences. Number four, forgiving is not forgetting what happened. Now, in the best of relationships, somebody wrongs you, you wrong them, you say something, oh, I'm so sorry, hey, no worries, not a big deal, and you move on. So in the best of relationships, forgiving is forgetting. You just move on. Sometimes, maybe you've had this, you've, you wronged a friend, you said, I'm so sorry, and they said, we will speak no more of it. And what they did is they said that with this great sort of love and grace and mercy flowing within them. Not a big deal. Not a big deal. No problem. We will speak no more of it. But sometimes forgiving isn't forgetting, it's remembering. Sometimes somebody wronged you and you are going to go through the process of forgiving them, but you are going to remember and you're going to have to establish boundaries so it doesn't happen again. Sometimes forgiving the person involves remembering what happened in some relationships. Some relationships are so fractured, so broken, there's been such a wound that forgiving is actually, part of it is remembering. Now, not in the best of relationships, but, but other times you must remember. And then forgiveness is not necessarily reconciliation. Sometimes uh, somebody wronged you and they're like, what's the big deal? Just forgive me. Let's go back to how things were. Sometimes things can't go back to how they were. And sometimes you're getting all sorts of pressure. Can't you just pretend like it never happened? Uh, forgiving is different than pretending like it never happened. Sometimes you'll never be able to pretend like it didn't happen. So reconciliation takes two people. Reconciliation takes two healthy people who have done all the work of working through whatever the destruction and the toxicity created. And so sometimes what happens is somebody wronged you and now they're pushing for full reconciliation. Why can't everything go back to the way it always was? And maybe even you have people around you, friends, family, neighbors who are like, what's your problem? Why can't you drop this? Forgiveness is not always reconciliation. You can fully forgive. You can move to the place where you actually wish the best for them. You can bless them and hope for all of the best for them. But things aren't ever going to go back to how they were. Or maybe there will be reconciliation way down the road. Maybe for you, there, the trust was so broken that it's going to take a long, long, long time for all of that to heal. And people around you, perhaps even the person themselves, is trying to rush that. And you have to just breathe deeply and remember you can forgive them, but forgiveness and reconciliation are two different things.
So, there, so there's a few thoughts just to begin with on what it isn't. Because in my experience, when you start talking about forgiveness, a number of people are like, wait, 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 wait. Does that mean suddenly they're off the hook? Does that mean that what they, I have to pretend like it wasn't a big deal? Do I have to pretend like it didn't happen? Do everything have to go back the way it was? No, 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 and no. So there we go. What it isn't. Now, what it is. Or who, let's go next. Who it is. Uh, if you have a hard time saying someone's name, there may be a chance there's a deep wound and pain lurking in there. Do, do you say things like, you know, that person? Or isn't it interesting with divorce how many people say my ex? Have you noticed that? How many times people say my ex? They don't say the person's name. Or in a family, you'll hear them say my sister, my brother, over and over again. And sometimes you'll pick up, wow, they never say the sister or brother's name. Uh, sometimes that's because of one of the things in pain we do is we dename people because that lowers the intimacy. And if you've let somebody in and they've hurt you, then you want to lower the intimacy level. Make sense? So sometimes you'll notice if you have a hard time saying their name and you keep saying, you know, my ex-boss or my ex or my, sometimes maybe it's because you're still holding on to the stuff and because it was so painful and you let them in, you've essentially denamed them. Uh, who else it may be, if their name comes up, like in conversation, and you sense the people close to you bracing themselves because they know you're about to go off, good chance you haven't forgiven them. You know that sense, like the people around you, like their name comes up and the people, you can sense the people around you look your way real quickly like, how's it going to go this time? How's it going to go? Maybe it's uh, somebody you were with in a relationship and then and it didn't end well. And now somebody, maybe you're at the, at the dinner table in a restaurant and somebody says, oh, I saw so-and-so the other day. And everybody looks at you like, whoa, what's going to happen? How are they going to respond? Uh, perhaps there's uh, some forgiving that needs to be done there. Or if you hear about something good happening to this person and you aren't happy for them. We'll get in uh, later in the week into revenge and uh, retribution and vengeance and justice and those issues, which have uh, the sort of antidote is blessing. But uh, right now, just in the, in the beginning here, if you hear about something good happening to somebody and you aren't pleased, you aren't happy for them, you're almost bummed, like, oh, uh, that could be a sign. If you find that a person is always close to the front of your heart, but not in a good way, almost like a ghost, like they haunt you, but not in an encouraging, inspiring, you feel them with you sort of way, but in an unresolved sort of way. Sometimes a ghost is a disembodied spirit that isn't here and isn't there, and so it just continues to linger in a sort of liminal space. Is this person... Uh, it's almost like an endless, low-grade refrigerator buzz in the back of your heart. Or if you cannot think of them without thinking of the thing they did. And here's why this is so huge. If their identity has, as a human being in your mind, through your eyes, has been subsumed or swallowed up by their actions towards you. If you cannot think about them without thinking of the thing they did to you, 
then what happens is the, f the what's happened is that the fully orbed nature of being a human being in your eyes in regards to this person has been taken over by this one thing they did. Do you see how what's happened is you've shrunk them down to that one thing they did or that pattern of things they did. And, and sometimes that's a sign, wow, I have some forgiving to do because I'm not even really anymore thinking about them as a human. I'm thinking about them as an action that was done to me. If you, can, if you cannot think about them without thinking of the thing they did to you, if that's almost ahead of their name and their identity and their loves and their work and their life and all of the things that make a human being a human being, there, there may be some forgiving to do in there. Uh, if you keep bringing them up, if you keep bringing them up specifically in regards to new opportunities, if you have something new and good that's right in front of you and somehow you're thinking about them in that process, perhaps it's because the wound you have with them so broke your heart that it's affecting how you see all new opportunities. Does, does that make sense? You took a risk and you opened yourself up to that person and you were hurt. And now all new opportunities are stained with the heartache of that wound. If you find yourself all anytime some new good opportunity or option presents itself, if you find yourself thinking of them, or if someone else mentions their pain and you immediately bring this person up, if you, whenever confronted with the pain of another, find yourself immediately reaching down and grabbing hold of the pain you have of this from this person, there's a chance that's still lingering in there somewhere. And then just a couple more. Uh, you may need to forgive someone if whenever things don't go well, you find a way to blame them. As if whatever it is they did to you is somehow affecting all things you are now doing going forward. And then uh, one last thought. If you wish they were dead, if you wish they weren't here, if you wish you'd never met them, if you wish they didn't exist, if they are somehow in your orbit and you find yourself wishing they would move to the other side of the planet. That's a good sign, my brothers and sisters, that you have somebody that you need to forgive. So we've looked a little bit at what forgiveness isn't. We've looked just a, just a bit at who it is that we need to forgive. And now, uh, what it is. What is forgiveness? What is the forgiving flow that we enter into? Okay, first off, um, forgiveness is a process. The forgiving flow is entering into a process. Perhaps even just the past, what are we at, 18 minutes and 57 seconds of this podcast, maybe the moment I started talking about forgiveness, you were like, I don't even know how to begin to forgive this person I know I need to forgive. Here's the thing, forgiveness is a process. Maybe for some of you, something in the next five um, podcasts, something will click and you'll be like, oh my word, that's it. I need to forgive them. And then you just do it and you're on your way and you're lighter and freer and faster and happier and great. But for others, here's what's really, really important to understand. Forgiveness is a process and it takes sometimes a long, long time. So if you don't even know where to start, um, hopefully in the next few parts, you'll, you'll get some handles that you can grab to start, that's okay, that's okay. Especially think about it, 
If the person wounded you a while ago and you've been carrying this thing around for a while, it's probably gained a head of steam. It's probably got its fingers around your throat. Um, it, it, this wound may have had a chance to fester. And so it's totally normal. Um, if you, in the past 20 minutes and five seconds, <laughs> have just suddenly become aware that there's someone you need to forgive, awareness is where it starts. So just you becoming aware of, oh my word, I need to forgive that person, that alone, great, fantastic, wonderful. You're already on your way. Um, and another way to think about it, if you wake up tomorrow morning and you're a little less angry, if you tomorrow spend, or the rest of today, spend less energy ruminating on ways you would like to inflict harm upon them, if you hear their name in the next 24 hours and it produces less venom than it normally does, victory. We will take the victory where we can. Anybody with me on that? Take the victory wherever you can. If somebody says their name and you don't immediately go off, or you go off just a little less, or there's a little less bitterness in the tone of your voice, let's take that as a victory. It's a process. It may take a long time, and that's okay. That's okay. There are people, there are people I've needed to forgive, and I can literally point. I can think of a couple situations. Six months it took me to work that for that wound to heal. Two years. I can think of forgiving experiences I have had that took day after day after month after month after month after month. That's just how it is. That's how it is. So maybe some of you may have like a magical boom, gone, done, awesome. Some of you might take a while. Secondly, what it is. F to forgive is to refuse to allow someone else to rob you of your joy. To forgive is to refuse to allow someone else to take your joy. When you haven't forgive somebody, you're essentially allowing them to rent free space in your head. And I don't know who said that. I've heard lots of people say that. That's been around for a while. If you haven't forgiven someone, then they're renting free space in your head. I've, I've also heard a number of people say that not forgiving someone is like drinking rat poison and then waiting for the rat to die. Another way to think about forgiveness is this. Forgiveness is setting someone free and then finding out it was you. So that's my intention uh, in this series, is I want to keep giving you different angles and different approaches and different ways of understanding forgiveness so that you can be set free. And then uh, one last thought about this. Forgiving is passing along to others what you have received. So one of the things I'm going to keep coming back to is your own receiving of joy, love, grace, and forgiveness. See, you want others to let you off the hook. I do. I want others to let me off the hook when I make a mess of things. So when you forgive, you're letting someone off the hook in your heart. You are extending to them the thing that you want most for yourself. So this is why I'm calling the series 
the forgiving flow because forgiveness is entering into a flow. And, and I want to show you how it's a flow that is present in, in the very fabric of creation. So this is lining yourself up with the fundamental energies of the universe. Uh, so here's, here's one way I think of it. So what is, what is forgiveness? It's a process. It's refusing to allow someone else to rob you of your joy. It's setting someone free and finding out it was you. It's passing along to someone else what you have received. It's entering into a flow. So what's it like? It's like a snorkel. You, you've used a snorkel, right? I love to free dive in the ocean with just some fins, a mask, a snorkel. Um, maybe you've been on a lake or the Caribbean or, or a pool. And you, okay, you put that snorkel in. And if I were to say to you, and so you have the mask and the snorkel comes up through like the strap of the mask. And so the snorkel is the part that goes above the water while you sort of float along. And then if you go down under the water, like in free diving, you sort of hold your breath, you go down. And then when you surface back up, you blow all the water that entered into the snorkel out the snorkel. Okay, now if I were to say to you, what does a snorkel do? What's its point? You would probably say to me, oh, a snorkel is how you get breath while you're swimming underwater, right? That's what we'd all say. We'd all say, a snorkel is how you get breath. And that's half true. But a snorkel is also how you breathe out. Because we immediately think, oh, you need a snorkel so that you can swim underwater and get enough breath. Yes, but you also need to breathe out because it isn't just the inability to breathe in that, that would cause you to drown. It is the inability to breathe out. And so a snorkel is actually air going both ways. So there's this great line where Jesus says, if you don't forgive others, then God won't forgive you. And what's oftentimes is people turn that into a transaction, to a harsh Jesus going, hey, you better forgive that person, or God, oh man, it's gonna be, it's not gonna go well for you. But I think the, the power of Jesus saying, if you don't forgive others, God won't forgive you, I don't think he's inviting us into a transaction. I think he's inviting us into a relational flow. I think the genius, the power, the wisdom of the teaching there is he's saying there's a flow and there's a flow that you live in in which you pass along to others what you've received. And when you don't forgive others and you don't extend them loving forgiveness, it blocks the flow of love and forgiveness to you. So it's like duct taping the top of a snorkel. You won't be able to get air and you won't be able to let the air out. Do you want people to let you off the hook? Do you want people to forgive you? Do you want to be able to forgive yourself and move on with your life? And see, what, what, we'll, what you'll see in the, um, throughout the, this series is so often our issues with others come back to ourselves. How many of you struggle with forgiving yourself? I know I do. And we struggle with forgiving ourselves and then wonder why it's hard to forgive other people. And when you are grounded and centered in the unconditional love and grace of the divine, or whatever language you want to use for God, spirit, essence, that of which you can think of nothing bigger, however you think about this, we all have some concept of that of which there's nothing greater. Uh, so whatever tradition you're coming from, let's just use the word God as a whatever, however you access the idea of something of which there is nothing greater. 
There is a grounding in love from which our lives flow. And we are invited to enter into a flow in which we are receiving and living within that love and grace. And then we simply pass on what we've received to others. Otherwise, you're asking for something to be given to you that you won't give to others. And at some point, you'll suffocate. So, really, really interesting Jesus stories. And we need to talk about, about priority here or the reality that flows to us prior to anything else. Because there's this great story where Jesus tells about a son who's completely violated and degraded his father and he's taken his money and run and broken the father's heart and now he returns. It's called the parable of the prodigal son. It probably should be called the parable of the forgiving father. Um, but what's fascinating is the son finally returns home after breaking his father's heart. And the image we're given is of the father running to greet the son. And in the story, Jesus says that while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Now, here's the really amazing thing, that when Jesus, and the father's kind of the God character uh, in this story, that when Jesus speaks of ultimate reality, he speaks of a love and grace that is yours prior to any reform, any repentance. In the story, the father runs to the son filled with compassion, throwing his arms around him and kissing him before the son even has a chance to say, I'm sorry, or to do any good, or to show that he's had a change of heart. Like uh, in the New Testament, there's this great line in the letter to the Romans, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, there's a lot of ancient ideas there involving atonement and sacrifice, but the really interesting thing that undergirds the whole idea is that the love of God extends to us before we ever get our act together. A goodness and grace extended to us right there in the midst of all our wandering and meanness and nastiness and making a mess of things. Now, so many of us got hardwired from the very beginning about something called law, which means you do good and you earn points. The gospel, if you've heard the phrase gospel before, is simply the announcement that God has thrown out the scorecard and the merit system. That you don't get points for being good because you never got points for being good because God was never in the point system. So many people have this, you're either in or you're out with God. You're either gaining points or you're doing things that are subtracting points. By the way, you'll notice this when religious people boil an issue down to, is it a sin or not? Which is basically, does it get you points or does it subtract points? The gospel is the announcement that God was never in the point-keeping business in the first place. Or you'll notice people sometimes really... Uh, religious people will be like, well, I just wouldn't want anybody to think I'm condoning that. Or I just, you know, how do I love without condoning what they're doing? By the way, where did the inflated ego come about that everybody's so concerned with what you think about things? But it all comes back to, do you think you got points or not? Did you gain a little extra or did you lose it? The gospel is the announcement that God was never in the point keeping business in the first place. And for so many 
people in the modern world. Their very neural pathways got shaped and formed from an early age. Here's how you earn points. And it's true in business, and it's true in school, and it's true in athletics. It's just that at the center of the Jesus story is this insistence that God was never in the point-keeping business in the first place. So when people are like, well, I just feel like if I do that, it would get me out with God, but if I did this good stuff, you know, I would get in with God. God was never in the in and out business. That is not the story at the heart of how you thrive here on planet Earth. Any healthy spirituality that's worth its weight in anything will have to involve some sort of announcement that everything you've been striving and working for has been yours the whole time, and you're just invited to trust. Can you trust that this is already true about you? So, so often when we get into issues of forgiveness, the reason why we get all hung up is for so many of us, it's about the point system. Well, look at all of the negative points they accumulated. Well, I get points if I do that. And I, the only problem has ever been your failure to receive that which is already yours. By the way, Jesus began most of his sermons with change your thinking, get a new mind, turn from that way of seeing it because it doesn't work. The gospel is the announcement that all your striving and working and performing to get in with God was pointless because you've been a child of God the whole time. So there's the grace through us to others that begins with the grace in us. So if you find yourself in thinking about forgiveness, you keep bumping up against this almost like a blockage within you. It's because you've got duct tape on your snorkel. You got a rock stuck in your snorkel. You're still, oh, oh, by the way, especially uh, for people who are in cultures where they go to church a lot, you'll hear somebody say, we didn't go to church today, I just don't, I feel bad. Or you'll hear people referring to some sort of religious obligation and they will act like, you know, we played hooky today. What? 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 You have to get rid of all of that thinking that somehow you did some deed and somebody somewhere is like, ooh, let me put a check on the clipboard in your favor. Good job. A couple more points in your column. You have to get rid of all that sort of thinking. Jesus didn't come to give you another law, which is do this and you get this. Oh my word, we've seen that a thousand times. It's the announcement that it was never about how many points you can rack up in the first place. This is why it's so hard to forgive ourselves. Anybody here holding on to some things you've done that you just keep replaying? Why did I do that? Why did I do that? You are keeping track of points. So, anybody here need to get out of the point system? Anybody been thinking the whole time that your goodness was somehow earning you something? At the heart of forgiveness is entering into a flow. It is a flow in which you are able to receive the grace and love and forgiveness that has been yours the whole time. And then you simply extend that to others. I don't deserve. Because some people are like, well, why would you forgive them? They don't deserve it. Because you and I do. Because we do. Think of the times when you did something to somebody to hurt them and they let you off the hook and you kept trying to sort of bring it. This Recently, I uh, said something to a friend in an email 
And I shouldn't have said it in email. I should have said it on the phone. It's such boneheaded. I try never to say anything important in email simply because you can lose all the nuance. But my thing didn't have anything negative attached to it. It was just a, hey, uh, da, 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 da. And my friend immediately calls me and he's like, he calls me a couple days later and he's, he's ticked. And he's like, why would you say that in an email? We should at least talk. We should talk about. And I, first off, I should not have even said that in an email. Second, I never intended to communicate what I what the email sounded like I was communicating because there was nothing. There was no problem. It was just a hey da 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 da. And so I apologized. I was like, I'm so sorry. Uh, first off, I should have called you. Second, I should have never framed it like that. This is just my intent in bringing it up. And my friend was like, because he's a fantastic human being. Of course, he was like, no problem, no worries. We'll speak to more of it. But literally, we probably then talked about 20 other things. An hour into the phone conversation, I bring it back up. And I say something like, once again, I just want to say I'm so sorry about that stupid email. I didn't mean that. And later, I was like, why did I bring it up when he had said, we're good. No worries. No no deal. An hour earlier in the conversation, it, the point was dead. And later, it struck me, ah. Oh, because I had received all the forgiveness and all of the good things that happen in healthy relationships from him, and we, we won't speak about it ever again, but I hadn't forgiven myself. Just this weird little thing parked down in there, and I bring it back up again with him because I'm having trouble trusting that everything is okay. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like these little shards end up sort of little pieces and fragments down in your heart somewhere and they pop up at the strangest time. There is a forgiving flow that you can enter into. It is not a flow based on how righteous or good or reformed you are or how much good you have done to earn the forgiveness. It is a forgiveness that flows prior to any repentance, any reconciliation, any apologies, any forgiveness. If you are waiting for somebody to act a certain way, to reform their ways, to get it together, to see what an idiot they've been, you may be waiting for a long, long, long time. The flow flows from you to them, whether they know it or not, or you believe they deserve it or not, because none of us deserve it. By the way, a question that often comes up is, what about forgiving somebody who, if I were to tell them I had forgiven them, maybe it's been too long, maybe it would involve other people who don't need to know, maybe it, uh, in, great question, because sometimes the question is, well, should I tell them that I've forgiven them? Uh, sometimes no, because they may not even understand what they did, they may not, it may just drag up issues, you may open up a giant box of problems. Uh, in recovery, they have this great line where y you make amends with someone wherever it's possible in which it wouldn't cause more harm. So one of the ways is just to say, does speaking to this person or do I have to actually communicate it to them or would that cause more harm? So if it's a past relationship, and now you're in a new relationship and they're in a new relationship and you like show up at the front door and say, remember that time when we were, might not be that great, might be just you let it go and then you move on your life and they move on with your life. And uh, I remember this one time I was working with a guy who was trying to work through some issues of forgiveness and he was like, ah, oh, I totally get it. Well, I'll tell you what I'm gonna do right now. I'm gonna go down to her place of work and I'm just gonna show up and I'm gonna make sure that she and her new boyfriend know. And I was like, whoa, whoa, dude, whoa. Let's think this through. 
you can forgive her, you can make peace with the situation, might not be the best thing to bring her new boyfriend into it. You know what I'm saying? So if you're asking some of those questions, the flow might simply be something that happens within your heart that you don't tell a person about. But something monumental has happened when you allow what is now flowing in you to flow through you. Is there somebody that you need to forgive? Is there somebody you're having trouble forgiving? Is there somebody you are waiting for them to turn it around? Is there somebody you are waiting for them to admit what they did wrong? Imagine what it would be like to not carry that around. Imagine what it would be like to see them or to hear about them and wish them only the best. Imagine what it would be like if the energy that you have spent ruminating was spent blessing. Imagine if the rat poison you've been eating, you were no longer eating. And imagine if you were no longer waiting after eating the rat poison for them to die, but you'd moved on. Imagine what that would be like. That would be entering into the forgiving flow. Now, one last thought. For those of you who you have the person who wronged you, you have the wound, and even this past, where are we at now? 41 minutes? For you, it's simply been you, them, the thing they did. Here's what I want to leave you with. This week, I want to invite you to think not just about you, them, and the thing that they did. I want you to think about you and them and the thing they did floating down an absolutely massive river. And the river holds up everything. And it's flowing millions of gallons a second. I want you to try and see you and them and the thing they did to you within a much larger flow of the love and grace of the universe, of the unconditional grace and acceptance and forgiveness that flows to all of us. I want you to see everything floating down a giant, and think of that image of motion. Because when you forgive, you're entering into something. When you forgive, you are stepping into something that's moving. And for many people, their, their, their context for all of life is static and fixed. There's me, there's them, there's the thing they did. But if even just in this part, you can begin to think of it like a flow and like movement and motion. Now there's possibilities, there's scenery going by. Maybe you're tied to the thing they did to you and they're tied to the thing they did to you and you're all tied on different rafts and, and think about maybe a knife and just cutting that rope and gradually think that thing flow away because everything's flowing, everything's moving, thinking it float away. Yeah, forgiveness is like a snorkel. The air comes in and the air comes out. Maybe for you the best image is you've got duct tape on your snorkel. You have not been able to forgive them and it is affecting the way that love flows to you. So we got to take some duct tape off that snorkel so that air can flow. Doesn't that feel good? Yeah. This has been the Forgiving Flow Part 1. Part 2, tomorrow. Grace and peace be with you.